You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show, Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh, yes. La buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals plus they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs especially when those unexpected turns come up it's the personalized attention you can count on aprende más en es.statefarm.com como un buen vecino state farm está allí this is an official download from the custardtv.com um it is the custard tv podcast I'm Luke from the website, custardtv.com. Matt's here from wherever he is. You didn't seem sure there, Luke, where you were. Where you no, were I, was, I wasn't sure. No, I'm never sure. And Mo's here in the American area. Yeah, the American. It's such, it's such a small part of the, the world, the American <laughs> area. You know, we just don't take up a whole lot of real estate here. We were just talking pre-record about the gas shortage Anything else you've been short of this week? You're all right for milk and stuff, Mo? Yeah, actually, there isn't. There's no run on toilet paper, <laughs> milk, any any of that stuff. If anything, I would say here is there is this sort of in in the part of uh, of the United States I bet is is Virginia. So the American area, the Virginia American <laughs> area is is where I'm officially from. We're kind of in this weird stage where our governor uh, is lifting restrictions, our COVID restrictions and mass restrictions and so forth. He's kind of had these commercials where, you know, it's either two options. You either wear a mask or you get a sh- uh, you get vaccinated. It's just and and so people are just kind of confused, you know, about when they should wear the mask and and, and so forth. And, and I just carry a couple with me. You know, if I go in stores and so forth, obviously, I'm going to put a mask on. But, you know, it's still this sort of weirdness when you see people you haven't seen for a while. It's like you want to kind of you get close to them, but then you want to inch back a bit. It's kind of this weird, unsettling feeling just meeting and, and interacting with people, particularly co-workers. Matt and I have already decided that we will not go to Virginia until we can embrace you properly. That's why we've decided. <laughs> it's not well, worth you, it. Of course. I can certainly show you around. I mean, we... Um, this is interesting. If you're into history, there's a lot of interesting historical sites and so forth. Um, we're not that I mean, far from Washington, D.C., my part of Virginia. 
So certainly. If, well, when, if, it's, if, when it's safe to embrace Mo properly, Matt and I will do it. But not until, <laughs> not until he feels comfortable. That's what we're saying. Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast. Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. Online this week, the US networks had their big adverts of the upcoming shows, and one of them was called Welcome to Flutch. Is it Welcome to Flutch? I should have looked this up. It's on my own website. Bear with me. Yeah, you wrote, did you not write an entire article I, on I it? I may have. <laughs> yeah, it's called Welcome to Flutch, and it is the US remake of This Country, which went viral across the UK on Twitter this week. Mo, how familiar, not or otherwise, are you with the UK original of the show? Yeah, I'm familiar. I mean, I haven't seen every episode of, of this country, but I've watched uh, series one and, and I enjoyed it uh, for the for the most part. I, I think there's some a, a gem in there in terms of being able to take uh, the, the sort of look at a, a small community uh, of people who may, you know, kind of skirt the norm. Mm-hmm. And do a documentary style with that. I think there's something definitely there that translates. When it comes to the Fox version, the trailer <laughs> that I saw, it's it's yeah. not the finished product. You know, it's a test, and it's like and it's like well, well, it, it I think it's just trying to figure figure out. It's trying to uh, try it's trying to set itself. It's trying to find its baseline, and so mm. I'm not sure if it's just trying too hard to emulate this country and not try to be its own thing. And I yeah. think, again, as you said in your article, welcome to the flat. It, it just, the fact it that just I couldn't remember the title and I just written a whole piece on it is not good. My question to Mo would be, and I know it's hard to judge just from the trailer, but do you feel like it's a remake of a program about British small town life? Or is it, does it look like it's a realistic depiction of American small town life? If that at all makes sense. Mo's not um, in touch with yeah. American small time life. Listen to him. He's out and about. He's walking dogs. He's embracing co-workers. No, no, I am not embracing my co-workers. <laughs> I want to make that clear because we follow these COVID procedures. I'm not trying to get in trouble in case somebody who, you know, takes the small chance of somebody I work with hears this. I want to make that abundantly clear. And we oh, are I following think... COVID procedures. <laughs> but, uh... I'm just really curious about how this is going to play, though, in certain smaller parts of the United States and whether they see this as a show that's making fun about them Mm. and what kind of feedback and pushback they're going to get about this show. And the irony is, is that it's on it's going to be on the, the Fox network. And as you know, Fox News is typically considered a conservative network news network and news organization they that's that's the the demographic they sort of play to you know if it be is too much and appeal people feel that 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 the show this is uh welcome to flash is making fun of their base how is that going to play on the fox news network and and that's kind of a question that i have just had a quick look and it doesn't actually say which part of america it's meant to be i can see that they filmed it in north carolina 
but it just says an American small town. So they're making it very non-specific as well. They're they're trying to sort of do it more generalized. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and while we're on it as well, Luke, did or either of you see the uh, trailer for the American remake of Ghosts, which is also coming? And I think it was it was Sophie pointed out that they'd actually spoiled the 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 twist of the first episode in the trailer as well. I'm actually a huge fan of of that show. Um, it actually streams over here on on HBO uh, Max, and so I've watched both both series. Um, and with regard to the trailer in and of itself. Yeah, it's essentially it essentially it within like three, two to three minutes, it already spoils like pretty much the entire first episode. How much network TV do you watch though? It really depends. I would say the bulk of my net my uh, U.S. network television is CW program because it is more uh, genre superhero based programming. The CBS's, the ABC's, the NBC's, uh, Fox. There are some shows. It kind of varies. As a lot of people, I watch less network television as I've gotten older and more exposed to other shows and so forth that are on, especially in the era of streaming. There are some old standbys on network television that I do check in on, like Grey's Anatomy. It's on, you know, season 17 going into 18 and i'll check in on Grey's anatomy i don't watch every episode but i like to do a check-in because it's an, i feel like it's an old friend i like you checking in it's just to see everything's still okay at the hospital <laughs> 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 well usually when i do my Grey's check-in it's really when somebody majors about to die there's a big return or something like it's 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 a bit of upheaval over at uh seattle gray Okay, so on this week's show, we will be discussing The Underground Railroad on Amazon Prime Video, Innocent on ITV, most first exposure to Inside Number 9 on BBC Two, and uh, The Mosquito Coast on Apple TV+. And I think we should start with Innocent on ITV being that was stripped across the week, as ITV like to do now. Four nights, 9 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the second series of Chris Lang and Matt Aldridge's show. Uh, this is the second series. First one was on in 2018 and starred Lee Ingleby as a man apparently who killed his ex-wife, but did he? That's what the show's all about. This series focuses on Catherine Kelly's Sally, who is released from prison after it is found that she could not have killed the young student she um, is charged with having an affair with and killing because they find a photo of her miles away at the time of the murder. But she comes out of prison and she's sort of become this pariah in her local area. She wants a job back as a teacher and the head teacher is very standoffish. Sean Doody stars as the police officer who is investigating the case, the new case, now that we know Sally isn't the prime suspect anymore. There's a young girl who put... Uh, Sally and this young lad at the same place who appears to have been lying about what she saw so there might be consequences for her. This is, on paper at least, a typical 9 o'clock ITV drama. Mo, did it stand out for you? It did, and I and I owe that to the Chris Lang pedigree. You know, it, it feels like it, really an inverse of Unforgotten, where, you know, instead of the police and their investigation. We're starting from the flip side where it's this wrongly accused person. You know, we 
see snippets of their life, all the these people who who um, will play a role in the storyline play out. I think we get a lot of information packed within this 45 minutes. Uh, Sally, uh, uh, played by Ka- uh, Catherine Kelly, is a, a very interesting protagonist because we w- immediately want, or I, as the audience member, wanted to immediately want to be on her side. But she's angry, and, and rightfully angry, and who knows how that's going to play out. There's some sort of secret with her. We're not really sure where that is. In the Chris Lang style, Sally is just constantly dumped on whether it's you know she went to the uh bank to try to you know to access some funds from the sale of her house from her uh that that she had with her with her uh ex-husband uh sam played by uh jamie bamber and she got yeah i i would say i'm gonna i'm not i'm not gonna use coarse language i'm just saying she got pooped on by the by the uh by the by the clerk if you've not seen the episode it doesn't mean literally No, 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 not literally. No, no, no. (laughs) That would but that would be that'd be that'd be your first for for one of these ITV ID clock drop. Like you have a you know, poop or something. (laughs) Um but you know, she she goes to visit her mother and her mother, you know, has the bitch and finds out, well, you know, her mother has not been been uh, communicated to for, you know, better part of a year. And so and she, you find out later on. The big spoiler is, is about you know she was pregnant at one point with her. Husband. It just constantly this woman, and as you mentioned, Luke, uh, about she tries to get her job back. She goes to see the uh, the head of a school, and it's a friend of hers. It's an old coworker, and that person's like your persona, persona non grata. It 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 just just continues to pour on this character, and I'm like, can she get a break? Let me start with my positives. They won't take long. <laughs> I was going to um, say. <laughs> so my positives are, I fans of this podcast and fans of me in everyday life will know that I'm, I've, I have a small, tiny list of actors that I've just never warmed to. And Catherine Kelly is quite high up on this list. It's completely irrational. I don't understand it. I haven't been to the doctors because they're busy with COVID I think, to help me understand it. Sorry, but is it is it like drama she fronts? Because I think the stuff where she's been like yeah. a like when she was in Happy Valley, for example, she didn't really have a lot to do. I don't think you yeah, minded it there. I don't remember her in that. She it's more sort of stuff she sort of fronts, isn't it? But here, I liked Catherine Kelly, and I will go on record to say she has moved further down the list because I thought she did a brilliant job, as Mo says. Because she's angry with the situation she's found herself in, you don't know whether that anger is because she just wants her life back together or because there's something about her we just don't know. And she does a very good job of making you second guess, is she this squeaky clean teacher that was just found uh, guilty for something she didn't do? Or is there more under the surface? And I think she does a very good job at at playing that. And putting you in her shoes. I do think that when the focus was on her, I was more invested. It is, sadly, awfully generic. When it wasn't focused on Catherine Kelly and Jamie Bamber and his wife, those two actors had zero chemistry. I didn't believe their dynamic. It, it made me think, oddly, of something Matt says about oh. Unforgotten, which I didn't agree with. 
about the last series, but I think it's on display here. Everybody's got a story. There's almost too much going on. I wanted it to calm down, slow down, and focus on Catherine Kelly because she was the standout here. Everything else I was I was not interested in. It just got to the end, and I just thought, I don't care enough. I, you know, it's a it's a it's a run of the mill, perfectly acceptable thriller, but I just don't care enough. There was nothing in there that made me go, oh, I must see what happens next. Yeah, I, I, I can sort of see where you're coming from, Luke, because I, I think if I remember correctly, because it is, as you say, going back sort of three years now three to years. that. If I remember correctly, though, they, they had like the story of, of Lee Ingleby trying to sort of readjust, and then you had the Hermione Norris couple because they right. sort of adopted the children. And then you had the police case. I think it was those three stories, whereas here, as you say, you've got Catherine Kelly, you've got the police side of things. Sean Dooley playing a really sort of cliched, or are you, re- are you sure you're ready to be back on the job, boss? Yeah. And, and looking at pictures of his presumably dead wife and child, <laughs> watching videos of them at the end of the first episode. Um, but then you've got, as you say, the Jamie Bamber character with I don't I can't remember the actress's name, but I know I remember her being in in press. Amy Lee Hickman as a daughter. Yeah, as the daughter. No, I was going to say the witness, the 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 girl. Oh, yeah. who, who witnessed it, and we don't really know her connection. Then you've got the parents of the boy who died, and what's there. So, you know, are they dodgy because they mentioned that, you know, he was briefly removed from their care. So there's a lot more fractious storylines. The, the focus you want really is, how is this woman going to readjust coming out of prison? And to be fair, I mean, I, I agree with both of you. I thought Catherine Kelly was good, but the decisions the character made... I felt quite hard to to buy into. Like she goes straight marching into the school straight away. I want my job back, and I'm thinking, would she do that? You know, and, and as you uh, the the scene Mo mentioned at the bank, and I I didn't. There's a lot of those scenes I didn't buy into. I didn't believe that this character would act that way. And actually, how unsympathetic colleague was when she tried to come back into the school. Like she didn't want anything to do with her. Obviously, I suppose the bigger picture is you know they've painted her as this woman who had an affair with a with a student and you know she vehemently denies all of that and there's this is obviously tied to the witness but yeah i mean i just i didn't believe a lot of the actions of the characters yeah. as well i think is is something possibly luke you were you you felt the same way mm. now we kind of got a hint of that early on you ever heard the phrase the more things change the more things stay the same and while we love the excitement of new things it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama, and when it comes to insurance, a State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tudor Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en e s.statefarm.com when she was uh, talking to our friend i believe it's uh jenny initially it's like well are you going to stay here she says yes i was i was born here my mother's here you know i want my life back she kept saying that that is her mantra so in my mind the way i'm i'm seeing this is you're in prison and 
throughout the course of that, you, you're just steadily arguing that I'm innocent, I didn't do this. Probably You're probably going to be a little obsessed with getting things back to some sort of normalcy. To me, the key thing is, is in terms of her relationship with her husband, is, is that, like, you know, the preface of him moving on with, and you mentioned uh, Karen, her name's Karen, it's uh, played by uh, Priyanka uh, Burford, uh, mm. that's uh, Sam's new partner. There, uh, early on, uh, Sally mentions that, like, oh, wasn't she that neighbor who used to have this thing for my husband? You know, it's clearly that they're, it's setting up that animosity. It's sort mm. of laying it. So I see where she's where these actions, where things are being set up in terms foundationally from that perspective. So to me, her actions seem right because everything in her mind is like, well, you know, I've gotten this letter. I've been I, found not guilty. Yeah. So I want I, to take back what is mine. I think it was mainly the bit of the school mo that got me. I, I don't think the okay. stuff with the husband and that that sort of played through. But you know, you'd at least ring to Sam coming in before you just. It was the way she just. What? She the way Matt's she sort of about the admin of it. Yeah, yeah, but the way she just marched, and I, and I get what you're saying that you know there isn't a rationality to some things that she's doing, and I, you know, I do believe that she might sort of drive down the street where she used to live with him. I think that rung true, but for me, just the. I'm coming into school straight away and I am going to um, demand my job back rather than, say, you know, coming for a meeting or something like that. What, I'm, what I like about this podcast is it, every week, we've done this now for 309 episodes, every week we learn more about Matt's character. That's what I like. So if one of us ends up in prison and then wants back on the podcast, we, we have to ring first. Mm. Check. Well, I'm always thinking about the safeguarding <laughs> aspects of things, Lou. You know, that's just my job. <laughs> Catherine Kelly's character was interesting enough. And I just think everything else around her sl uh, slowed it down and diminished the story for me. I mean, as I say, J Jamie Bamba and the actress who played his wife, I just didn't believe their, their home setup. I didn't believe mm. their chemistry. <laughs> It felt very contrived and very put on, um, yeah. And then they've got the they've got living with their daughter, who's also been bullying somebody at school. And it's just God, I've got too much to think about. Let's just focus on this poor woman who's had her life upended and and it's going which, to be changed forever. For which I think life. is what they did more in the first series with Lee Ingleby. They did, is he innocent or how you know has he got out on a technicality? Whereas here. I don't think there's much of that ambigu ambiguity that it's more she is innocent. Let's find out who did it. I think that's yeah. there's there's less of that ambiguity here as well, which I think yeah. uh, doesn't help matters. Let's go on to talk about Inside Number Nine because that is the second episode of the the sixth series. Uh, Matt, I think your best person on this podcast, possibly ever. ever. Yeah, uh, to, to sort this. I, to sort this. I made out. myself a badge saying that, so I'm glad you. you... So yeah, this this second episode. And I should have you got the name of it there because I've got a. Simon says. Simon says. So it centres on uh, Steve Pemberton playing a character called Spencer Maguire, who is a writer of a a sci-fi fantasy show. I think we meant led mm -hmm. to believe called the Ninth yeah. Circle. And um, mm -hmm. it starts with him returning from a night out and an award ceremony. He hasn't won the award. He's got quite drunk. He's had an altercation with a fan, um, which has ended violently. He comes back, is wiping off 
uh, the blood from his hands, and then he gets uh, a call at his door from uh, the Rishi Smith character in this, who's Simon, who is another fan, who informs him that the, the, the guy who had the altercation with is now dead. From here, he uses this as a blackmailing tool to get him to write a new episode to replace the ending of the sixth season of the show, which is derided by fans and generally sort of frowned upon. At first, he's reluctant, but he ha- he's basically being controlled by Simon to do this until there is a bit of a, a wrench in the plan when, when something is revealed uh, that, that, that happened. How's that? I'm interested to speak to Mo because he's here and also because <laughs> he hadn't seen Inside Number 9 oh, okay. prior to this. First of all, Mo, why? Why did you not watch Inside Number 9 before this? I'm not a big anthology person, like single episode anthology. I like to build a relationship with a show that I'm watching, particularly the characters in the show. So I tend to like shows that are a bit more long form in terms of its storytelling um it's probably one of the reasons why i'm a big soap fan that's the only rational reason why i haven't watched inside number nine prior to now your first thoughts on this then having virtually no idea what to expect did it entertain you in the american area yeah yeah (laughs) it definitely spoke to to me as an American, particularly an American who in the is, American area, <laughs> um, who is the first thing, you know, as soon as I, I started watching this episode is I immediately went to Game of Thrones and the controversy surrounding more or less the, the last two series of Game of Thrones um, and just imagining Steve Pemberton's uh, character, uh, Mr. McGuire, or, or uh, I can't remember his first name right Spencer. now. Uh, Spencer, thank you. Spencer McGuire, you know, being some sort of amalgamation of, uh, of David Benioff and B.D. Weiss, you know, the showrunners and creators of Game of, of the Game of Thrones television series. And just imagining what if some sort of lunatic fan stalked them and tried to force them to re- rewrite that, particularly that last series of Game of Thrones. My knowledge of, of Steve Pember, it's you know, it's very limited, um, and because I, I believe I've seen him. Um, trying to, uh, I've, I've seen him before, and it just something. Who's that? In my Steve mind. Pemberton, or yeah, Steve Pemberton. Yeah. Um, Happy Valley. Did you see Happy Valley. You yes. See that? Okay, that's what. That's probably what I was thinking about. That was coming yeah. out because yeah, I'm a huge. I, it Unless was Happy you're a Valley. Massive Benidorm fan. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, I've never. I've only watched clips of Benidorm on YouTube <laughs> just because. <laughs> just because the name in and it of itself was just so out there, and just what I've read a, a summation, a, a summary of, of the of the series. So I thought that it, it, he just came across as just very much, you know, the typical standoffish. I know everything showrunner, maybe too inside his own show to really seek outside perspective. But I also found that this this episode really does speak to something in the zeitgeist right now in terms of the notion of fans being able to interact with these creators via social media, this feeling that of a, of a, of a sense of ownership that fans have when it comes to these shows. You see these save television show campaigns, these change.org uh, campaigns. So it was clearly a reaction to Game of Thrones. 
Yeah, right. it was it was Game yeah. of Thrones. I think I, I agree with you, Mo, because was there not a petition to, you know, for the fans them, to remake them the film? Then yeah. The series yeah. There were like these scores of podcasts where there are people who are, one, dissecting where they think that the showrunners went wrong, two, talking about their alternate takes, alternate endings. No, it, this felt very believable, very in the line with the culture that we have right now, the television viewing culture, the, the sort of the television critiquing zeitgeist, particularly, again, as I go back to say that we fans believe we have ownership in these television shows. I mean, and, and that's one of the things that uh, Reese, uh, Shearsmith's character, Simon, says, is that, you know, we, we buy the merchandise, we invest the time in these characters, and for them, that, that translates to we should have a stake in how their journey ends. And if their journeys are not insatisfactory, then there should be fan outcry. What about the twist? Did the twist surprise you? Yeah, actually, it, it did. And uh, But actually, this is kind of one of the, the good things about... I know, um, Luke, you said you apologized for being sick last week. I think, actually, it's kind of good because we can, like dive into the spoiler territory because yeah. we wouldn't have been able to had we recorded last yeah. week. That's why I, I scheduled my sickness for this week. <laughs> the reveal of, um, of uh, you know, Gavin, of Nick Muhammad, you know, just turning up, telling uh, Spencer McGuire, you know, oh, this was just plot that we, uh, that Simon and I came up with. It was mostly Simon. We wanted to one, try to force you to rewrite this this last series, and B, you know, to get you on his uh, Simon's podcast. And so, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, was, today and, I've it, never gone that far to have a guest on the podcast. <laughs> is that is that how you got Jimmy McGovern on that one time? Yeah, that's how I might get him on again as well, actually. So, so, and, and I think actually, in terms of like a uh, bit of casting, I think. Um, it's a, it was a perfect role for, for Nick Muhammad. I mean, he, I think, excels at playing these types of semi-obsessive, nerdy characters. I mean, he seems to be doing that a lot in several different shows. He was uh, the most understated, though, I'd ever seen him here. I thought mm, he did a good job of playing it down. It, I think the twist in this was quite, not generic, but straightforward i suppose for some of the things that they've cooked up to end these episodes in the past and yeah i thought it flowed very well i i like you know the pace it went at you know the the suggestion at the end that simon was going to do something very uncomfortable to spencer as well that uh, uh, he got out of very much at the last minute and, and i like lindsay duncan as well as the agent i thought she was very good when she sort of flounced in and did this or you know had had those moments with him but it all felt very believable and very, you know, we've been, you know, in rooms with TV creators and, and their sort of heightened opinions of themselves. But there is also, as, as Mo said, you know, the, this thing about fans of TV shows feeling that they own it and that they should dictate how it ends. And and this was an interesting way of looking at it, I think. Almost immediately, you have, a, when you're watching an Inside Number 9, you have a sense of unease. The whole thing has a sense of unease. And you're sort of, if you laugh, you're laughing, you know, uh, nervously because it just, it, it's got this presence about it, this show, even when it's doing really silly stuff like last week, or not last week, the first week, 
Um, it just it has this amazing feeling of I've no idea what this is. I'm not 100% sure where it's going, but I'm I'm enjoying the journey, and that is exactly what it is. This one felt like a classic of the genre. It felt like you know your typical insert number nine. I think it was a good one for Mo to see because it does showcase all the good things and all the best things that Pemberton and Shear Smith are known for, and they just execute it well. It's just so confident in itself, isn't it? And although we don't always love everything they do, I think they're always worthy of discussion, and I really did enjoy this, one of my favourite ones for a long time. That's Inside Number 9, it's called Simon Says, and it is on the iPlayer now. Good show! The best and the worst on the box. People arrange their lives so they wouldn't miss their favourite programme. It's the Custard TV Podcast. Next up, then, is The Mosquito Coast over on Apple TV+. Plus. It stars Justin Theroux in the novel from Paul Theroux, a.k.a. Justin's uncle and Louis' dad. I love that they're connected. Uh, although, to listen to Justin tell it, it was not nepotism. But it is odd that he ended up as the lead in his uncle's series. But there you go. Uh, Justin stars as Ali Fox, an idealistic family man who is going uh, just more and more disillusioned by the way America is run, by the way that the government can listen to you. And he is taken to hiding his family away. He doesn't allow them to have communication with his wife's parents. His kids are now teenagers and they've been moving across the country doing their own thing. They're homeschooled. Uh, His wife, played by Melissa George, has a brief conversation with her mother uh, that she, she hasn't spoken to for a long, long time, and that sets in motion the fact that the, the family are discovered again. In this episode, in this opening episode that we watched for the podcast, uh, we're not entirely sure quite what the police want to speak to Ali about, or at least I'm not. I might have had a blackout during this episode if I missed it. I'm sorry. But he's this idealistic inventor he doesn't like the way the country is run he doesn't like the way you can be spied on he's always looking for the next big thing and trying to invent the next big thing and when the police catch up with him he uh, moves his family to mexico and that is where the first episode ends with them sort of on the run and moving uh, out of america threading this is wrong but i wasn't looking forward to watching this because i had read a lot of things about it and i and i was Prior to reading those, I was quite interested in it because I think Justin Theroux is an incredibly charismatic screen presence. He's great in The Leftovers, one of the best shows in the last 20 years, and I was interested to see what he would do next in television. I like that it's from Paul Theroux. It's also, weirdly, from Neil Cross of Luther and Hard Sun fame, and it feels nothing like those two shows. On the positive front, it looks stunning. They have chucked a whole load of money in this. You can feel the sun on you as you're watching it. It's such a bright and shiny and smooth show. I loved all the aesthetics and the countryside and all of that. What put me off was all the the reading about it being slow, which I guess it is, this first one, but about it not getting to the point quick enough, which, again, I don't think it does. But actually, I kind of liked it. I kind of enjoyed it. I liked the family dynamic between um, Justin Theroux, Melissa George, Logan Push as the daughter, Dina, and Gabrielle Bateman as Charlie, who is sort of more on his dad's side 
Dina is your typical teenage daughter in these things who doesn't understand why they have to keep moving, has a boyfriend, wants to have a quote-unquote normal life and resents her parents for not letting her have one. It was a far easier watch than these reviews I'd read had me believe. I thought I was going to find it really hard going. I thought I was going to find it really irritating, but I didn't. I just found it an easy family watch. Saying that, I didn't get to the end and feel completely compelled to continue on. I know this is based on a film originally. I don't know anything about it. This is my first exposure to it, but it was a pleasant surprise. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank and a member of FDIC. Deck your home with Blinds.com DIY or let us install Free design consultation Plus free samples and free shipping Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. I don't know whether I'm going to continue, but it, it was an easy watch. I thought the Central Four performances were, were believable. I like the family unit and... Yeah, I liked it. Mosquito Coast. Matt, what about you? I think I'm more on the side of whoever's reviews you read, if I'm honest. I, I agree with you in terms of it looking fantastic, but I just found everything a little bit empty, really. I, I don't think there was a lot to uh, to use one of your expressions, Luke, hang your hat on here. I'd like the, to say that you've used that more quoting me than I have recently. But yeah, you you used to use it quite a lot. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I found that, especially the character of Dina, I found very sort of stereotypical, stroppy yeah. teenager. I, I think the main problem is that they are trying to increase the intrigue of these characters by not giving you a lot, not telling you why presumably he is wanted by the government, why they're having to move around constantly. They are trying to give you that intrigue to make you want to watch as many episodes as possible. But at the same time, building up that intrigue, you lack any sort of background or knowledge yeah. of these characters. This yeah. is like the world building episode that you, you crave for at the beginning of every every season of every show. It doesn't really <laughs> build the world that much, does it? it just sort <clears throat> no. No, I mean, they don't give you a lot, you know, you, you get a lot of what the characters might be. And I think, you know, as you say, you know that the son, Charlie, is a lot more forgiving of his dad and their their sort of status than the, the, the girl is. Again, I didn't buy that when she runs away briefly when they're, when they're on the run, that she just 
randomly goes to, you know, just gets lost rather than going to her boyfriend's house, which we've established she's got this boyfriend. She wants to stay with him, presumably, but instead just randomly sort of goes on to the freeway and then ends up in sort of bum town. Um, I assumed he worked nights, the boyfriend, but that, that was never said. <laughs> but it all seemed, you know, to get to that final scene of the first episode where the daughter frees him from the police car and that all seemed a bit contrived to get there. And I think me thinking about that would it suggest that I wasn't as into the programme as I possibly should have been. You know, Melissa George, who I really liked, didn't have quite anything to do really in this first episode. Yeah, it just didn't work for me. I just found it very hollow. I, I felt like I knew well, nothing uh, about Melissa George's character at all by the end of the first episode. She just seemed to sit in the office for most of the episode. As she should. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. No. Yeah, I went a bit misogynistic there. <laughs> wow, that was a okay. Joke. <laughs> that was a joke, well, I think. I, I do hope. do occasional comedy. Luke, no. don't you get us cancelled now. <laughs> 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 How did you feel about Mosquito Coast? Did you like it? Did you not? Were you even aware of it? I was a bit ambivalent about it. This first episode certainly did not do anything to get me overly excited about it. I honestly, I'd never even heard of this property. Um, and I did some research. You know, there was a film by, with Harrison Ford in 1986 and Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren was essentially playing the Melissa George character in that version because all she'd do in that first hour was sit in the office well no she did call her mother she she they did establish (laughs) that you know she 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 loves her parents she worries about her parents wishes she would i wonder whether we were supposed to be on her side because she she seemed a bit trapped you know when she when she did call her parents and she found out her dad had broken his leg she just felt so disconnected from them and desperate to help them and she can't. She's sort of trapped and has to go. And she was happy to go on a boat. Yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. threw me. <laughs> threw me. Yeah. I would say Margot and, as you mentioned before, uh, the two children are probably the three most sympathetic characters. And I like the fact that I will say on the plus side that we get a we get a sense of what this family dynamic is, and it feels again slant that Justin Theroux's Ali Fox is a very controlling and not in a imposing traditional domineering way it's just that he gets caught up in his own ego and the three of them are just left to deal with the fallout and the consequences of that with with regard to melissa george and it luke um are you still penalizing her for hunted after all these years is that is that hunted <laughs> she's talking about deep cuts, Luke. I haven't thought about that program yeah. in a while. I have. To be fair, though, Mo, um, I still remember Melissa George from uh, it's an Australian soap that we get over here called Home and Away. Yeah, I and, and uh, yeah, she she was she played a character called Angel, and she was one of, like when I watched it as a as a youngster, she was part of the big couple. Her her and Shane, Angel and Shane, were the big couple back in the day. I liked her in uh, the first season of In Treatment. Mm. And, the, and the slap as well, if you remember that. And The Good Wife, of course. Yeah, and then she was an alias and um, also Grey's Anatomy, which which ironically is the person who plays her mother is Kate Burton, who 
was a key character in, in Grey's Anatomy. Getting back to uh, the Mosquito I Coast. I do feel the, like this podcast is sponsored by Grey's Anatomy. This <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm trying to get that Shonda Rhimes money, you know, from, from that place. <laughs> uh, yeah. it's, it's weirdly interesting that Mosquito Coast has, like, the opposite problem of Innocent. With Innocent, there was so much information just packed and characters introduced that we don't get probably a third of the characters, the situations are introduced in Mosquito Coast that we got in Innocent. I wanted to you know, like you said, Luke, why is he being pursued? I mean, what did he do? What's going on there? And and I, I wish that they had utilized this first episode to do a bit more of ex- expansive world building that we kind of got innocent that we got we get in um mayor of east town where you know they brilliantly oh my god are that. you up to date with man of east yes, town yes 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 okay yes, we, yes. we're talking about that coming up spoilers of man uh, of east town. it's interesting parallel here where we're using the first episodes to build out the world to introduce these characters and you don't get that in mosquito because you get these very lavish shot and it feels very cinematic it certainly didn't look cheap as you said i mean that vulture that vulture got two minutes where you know the vulture <laughs> is looking at Ali i didn't Fox. see the credits but is he, is he, he must be credited in that because he had a quite a long role there yeah so so i mean and, and then uh he the vulture you know gets gets you know a scene with the two people uh two people who are pursuing ali i mean like chris lang wouldn't have had that vulture and innocent get it out that that amount of time unless it was pivotal to the plot i mean it's a lot of show it's a great vehicle for uh justin Theroux. so it seems like a natural show post the leftovers to me it felt like the last couple minute uh, when his his daughter dinah is is or dina is, is rescuing him from the police it felt like something that you could get in at the end of of the leftovers like all that built up and then just things just explode, you know, uh, dramatically. That is, you know, maybe I maybe I enjoyed it because I had the sort of low opinion of it, but I I, I still don't think that I will go back and go, Oh, I wonder what happens next in the Mosquito Coast. Because as much as I sort of could appreciate that family dynamic, it didn't invest me in the story, I just liked them as a family, although. Dina was one letter away from Dana Brody, and there was some connections, I think, between those two characters. She didn't have the personality, even, you know, we bemoaned Dana Brody. And actually, you know, when she became Stroppy Tina, there was a reason behind it because of what she'd been through in that first season here. It's just generic teen angst, I found. Yeah. And if it is written by Neil Cross, he, he's not known for sort of character development, really, is he? No, in not really. No. You know, if you look at Luther and didn't really watch a lot of Hard Son, but, no. you know, the, the characters are all very sort of stereotypical, larger than life, that sort of thing. So I don't think he can do human characters again, as Luke would say. Uh, because, very well. uh, because it was Neil Cross, I thought the boyfriend would be hiding under Dina's bed, but he wasn't. Uh, that would have been a nice little call, little call back to loser. That would have been that would have been nice. <laughs> no, I was going to set up the next show, which is the Underground Railroad. But I feel a cough a brewing that I cannot hold back. Do you feel like you could walk us through the 
first episode if you like of the underground railroad which is now on amazon and i will go dark while i cough amazon's uh the underground railroad so it's based on the novel by colson whitehead it's been adapted by auteur filmmaker uh, Barry Jenkins. It's set on a southern plantation in the United States sometime in, in the 1800s. We're introduced to uh, Cor Randall, who is one of the slaves on this plantation, somewhat of an outcast amongst the slaves. And that is a quote from one of the slave masters. Cor feels d- a disconnect from the other slaves because her mother, uh, Mabel, had run off several years ago. We are introduced to another slave by the name of uh, Caesar Gardner. They're setting up this sort of romantic dynamic between the two characters. Given how things are alluded to, we're not really sure how long that relationship lasts. Caesar can read, which is a crime during this time period. It, It is a crime that is punishable by death. He very much sets himself apart from the other slaves on this plantation. These slave owners, the Randalls obviously view their their slaves as property. They expect Caesar to breed with another slave and Caesar, you know, is it wants to rebel. And so in his mind he he feels like this is one of the impetus for him to want to run away and take Cora with him, particularly after a very, very brutal scene in which a runaway slave is recaptured and then is essentially flayed and then burned alive. Once all those things come together, Cora and Caesar run away in the middle of the night. They find themselves at this house individual lives there is a quote-unquote conductor for what is called the underground railroad the twist in this and this is a huge spoiler for those of you who have not watched or is not familiar with the concept of the underground railroad it is literally a railroad system that is underground it is not you know i I mean i yeah i I think maybe maybe you should explain what the underground railroad actually was sure sure for those who are not familiar with american history is that the underground railroad was a network of of safe houses and locations throughout the south and and individuals they were called conductors they would help smuggle slaves to the north it was not literally an underground railroad. And that is essentially the big twist and is what differentiates in this world within Colson Whitehead's novel. I want to say that what Barry Jenkins does really well is he plays up the, the magical realism of this, very heightened, not in a Neil Cross kind of heightened <laughs> realism. Just there's something, uh, there's a, a spirituality about this that I think was seeped throughout. I thought that the subject matter and the material was was so heavy that you know I, I'm I'm interested in watching more because of the performances, particularly by uh, the actress who played Cora Randall and uh, Aaron Pierre uh, who plays Caesar. The performances were brilliant. I love the fact that this is a good episode when it comes to introducing the world. And I think that the Mosquito Coast could have learned from this episode, this setup. Barry Jenkins did does a wonderful job of showing the life of the slaves showing the brutality but he also does this wonderful job of showing their humanity within an inhumane situation 
I was just going to say quickly something I hadn't thought about before, you know, Mo, Mo started talking there was obviously, you know, you living in America and, and you know, knowing what the under, Underground Railroad was, it's not something really that that's talked about here in the UK. And I sort of only know about it because I watched the, the Harriet Tubman film a couple of years mm. ago. So I think that twist that they do where it is an actual railroad, a lot of people wouldn't get the significance of that because it is called the Underground Railroad. And it's like, well, yeah, it's a railroad. What are you talking about? You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I don't think it's, it's something which would be as, as much of a surprise to a, a US audience because obviously, you know, you know what the underground the underground railroad was. It was it wasn't a physical railroad. It was, as you say, this group of people who were transporting these slaves over to to the north. But the, the significance of that will be lost on a lot of international viewers of this. Um, but yeah, Luke, go on. You were going to say something. This podcast, I feel, is like my my safe place, my trust tree, if you will. And I'm hoping that I won't tumble from the trust tree. In the next couple of sentences. Going to throw you off. I struggled with this because it does some very strange things in as much as a lot of the time the background audio is far loud, or at least for me, I found the background audio far louder than the dialogue and I was really having a difficulty in concentrating in those early scenes on what they were saying, so much so that I resorted to putting the subtitles on just so I didn't miss anything that could have... I have to admit, I had subtitles on as well, so yeah. you're not on your own. It's not, it's not good, though, is it, to have to do that? And, I'm sure... and it was very dark as well. Like, yeah. Dark as yeah. in how it shot. It was also incredibly brutal. That, that scene that you mentioned where a guy is burnt to death was almost too much for me to handle. And I've seen 12 Years a Slave and I've seen Moonlight and No the sort of genius that Barry Jenkins is able to conjure up on screen, that I found remarkable but difficult to watch. The performances, as you say, were, were really strong, from the, particularly from the two leads. I came away from it, though, thinking, I'm not sure how invested I am in it. I'm not sure how desperate I am to see more. That's how, that's how I felt at the end. But I wasn't ever as immersed as I like to be when mm. I'm watching a drama. I think I'm I'm sort of near to where you are, Luke. I think what I would say is I found that scene with the, the burning, I found that very sort of a visceral experience. Mm. And I think mm. I, I, I feel that that is where the episode sort of turned for me. Because the first half, I, I did, I think, you know, you brought up a good point with the audio. I, I think that is possibly why I struggled. I wasn't quite sure on who we should be focusing on because it was very much like this, you know, this group of people you had the the slave owners who I believe were brothers. They brought in the Joel Edgerton character at some point as well. And I wasn't mm-hmm. sure of his significance. It's only when Cora and Caesar go on the run and initially there's a, th- uh, is it Lovey? Another girl comes with them. That last third where it's them on the run and them getting to the railroad. I, that's where it, I started to become engrossed. I feel like I might try and watch at least one more just to see where it goes. It is objectively one of the most important shows we've perhaps ever reviewed on the show mm. as much as you know the story it's telling and, and the way it's telling it and the point of view it's coming across it is undoubtedly should be one of the most talked about shows of of the year and one of the better shows that we've talked about it's just that i was never inside of it i felt i was always watching it as an mm. outsider and i couldn't relax into it and that is partly down 
to the the trauma of it and also the fact that it everything's cinematic but it, it felt like i was watching a film i think an hour and eight minutes felt quite a long time for me and, and that's one of the reasons i couldn't dive immediately into the second episode i haven't watched the second episode i mean i watched mm. this nearly a week ago and i just emotionally am not ready to like immerse myself back into this world because it mm. is very traumatic sometimes you have to be in a particular mindset to watch Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay, then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today. Certain television shows. You know, this is not the show where want to watch it because it's necessarily entertaining it's interesting and intriguing i think from a critical standpoint it's an important show worth investing your time in you just have to just be in that space emotionally to receive what the show is about because again and i think that my, and, and quote i'm going to use my exert my american privilege here as it as it is i wish you'd stop that, doing that <laughs> you know i'm in virginia and there are plantations that are still here and some of these plantations are now tourist sites or wedding venues and so forth and mm. with this you know Jake, it's like you know it it, it you know it turns a switch in my head and like 200 300 years ago you know these plantations were these scenes of massive brutality and you all mentioned the sound and how i also had to turn on the subtitles because i felt like i was missing mm. you know every other word or something initially it's something that i think you need to take a little teaspoon of and i don't think that it should be forced upon because if you if you're forced to watch this I think you're certainly a not going to be in a very receptive place mm-hmm. to receive the message in the story. I also think it's a shame because because it's on Amazon, I've seen virtually no one in the UK talking about this show. I've seen reviews in America which have been extremely glowing and thought pieces on it about how it shines a, mir- a mirror on modern America and how it's not 
a story from the past at all, but there's something about it being on Amazon just almost makes it suddenly mm. inaccessible for a lot of people. I, and I yeah, and I you know I've obviously I've seen the reviews in this country, but I haven't seen actually anyone talking about it. You know, there's, no. it's not up there. You know, there, there seems to be a sort of a groundswell for Mayor of Easttown now. People are sort of coming to, towards that, but as you say, you know, after that first day where the reviews are written. And I, I don't know if that is a thing about Amazon that it's not as sort of popular as a, as a Netflix and and people are. It, it must be. Mm. It must Even be though most people have probably got it because they've got Amazon Prime for the blooming shopping. Yeah. yeah. The widest possible audience should be aware of the show because, yeah. as we said, I think it's relevant and how and how important you know not just the history of the United States but also how the themes, the inhumanity are all things that are still occurring in 2021. I will certainly watch episode two because it's a big show. It's a show that I admired it more than I enjoyed Mm. it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I'm sort of with you on that, Luke. I think, think, though, you know, it's been sort of a recurring theme here this episode, but I think they did a good job of that world building because by the end, you knew who your two characters were, you Mm. knew what they were going to do, and you knew why they wanted to do it. And I think that's what they yeah. did that successfully. The Underground Railroad is there in its <coughs> in its entirety, which things often aren't on Amazon. Often they drop them weekly, and I kind of wish that this was weekly, just so it might have built up a uh, a conversation around Head of it week Steve, on week. One might say, Ooh, <laughs> you have like the rest of the podcast off. You put your feet up, son. We'd love to hear from you. Drop us an email. CustardTVReviews at gmail.com We will finish, because I want to, talking about the fifth episode of Mayor of Easttown, which aired on Monday on Sky Atlantic and Sunday on HBO and is there on Now Now. Mo, what has been your relationship with this show? Um, I've been in since uh, very early on, and I feel as if... This is probably one of the best shows I've watched this year. I I think, again, it goes back to that first episode where it brilliantly does the wool, but it takes, you know, it it more or less takes the entire first episode to introduce this this community of East Town. I live in an area where, you know, it's five degrees of separation. The American, my part of the American area, it's, it's it's very much a five degrees of separation. So people know people. We know a little bit about each other's business. So it's it, so it's being able to get these sort of snippets that sets up Mayor, her relationship to the community, her relationship to her her former high school basketball teammates, her relationship with her family. I love all those things. So when you do get the inciting murder at the end you know i've bought in that's exactly what we said and i would go as as far you're right it's one of the best shows i've seen this year i think it's up there with one of the best shows i've ever watched in the tenure of the podcast i really really enjoy my hour in east town i find it hilariously funny i find it gripping i find it dark it is it basically has me and my sort of show done so expertly well 
there are moments in this where things happen to characters on the periphery and yet I care so much. There's a moment where a, a boy stands up for his sister by smacking a bully over the head with a dinner tray, which just had me fist bumping the air. There are moments with Mayor's mum, who is my favourite comedy... I I love her so much. She's my favourite comedy character of the year. When we find out that she had an affair with the old man whose wife died, (laughs) and there is just hysterics in the car. It's just fantastic. Or when she got injured in the previous episode, and Mayor comes and goes, is that it? And she says, I'm sorry, I'm not more maimed for you. That was one what makes that 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 moment you know when they're at their at the wake for that woman who died it works because remember in the first episode yeah mayor had gone to their house she goes um, a second time as well that's why this 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 interconnectivity <laughs> of this town works because it lay it, it used that first episode to build and establish those relationships I think Jean Smart, she's burning it up this year. I'm sure, it. I'm not sure if you've seen her uh, show Hacks. I'm her, so her... looking, I'm desperate to see it. Ooh, <laughs> you, I mean, the versatility of Jean, uh, Smart, Jean Smart. I, 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 this I mean, just I amazing. loved her in season five of 24 Mo. I don't know if you were ever a 24 Yeah, she yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, even sort of going back to her days on Frasier and things as well. Yeah. Matt, you left it quite late due to work and other life well, i presume yeah and, and the fact that great british menu was on every night this week you know in oh. priorities and all of that well, yeah <laughs> it, was, it was banquet week on great british menu so i had oh, to watch well, that don't justify it matt you made your choice and i'm happy for you but and you... obviously the eurovision semi-finals as well eurovision tonight um, how did you I... feel about the episode as a whole and then the eventual quote-unquote yeah, twist at the end. I, to be honest with you, when it got to the end of episode four, and I said this to you on, on Twitter, that I sort of <laughs> guessed when that when that girl was kidnapped at the beginning of the episode, the, the escort girl, I thought, oh, she'll end up somewhere with the girl who went missing a year ago, and she did. And I, and I was a bit sort of bemused by, oh, are we going into sort of territory that I've seen before? But then they sort of debunked that by having, you know, the the girls presumably being found at the end of this episode slash beginning of next week's episode. I mean, is that it for what's his name now? Evan Peters' character is he dead? Colin Sable. Yeah, he was shot in the head, I believe. So that might be the end of him. I mean, my thing is, is has Guy Pierce got something to do with it? He's not. Where he was Guy <laughs> Pierce? Yeah. Where yeah. was he? In these sort of small town dramas, you've got to not trust the outsiders and i suppose you know they did that with the with the priest but he's sort of now almost like he's not a suspect anymore you know what disappointed me most and it didn't disappoint me in the terms of the storytelling Mm. but i am so invested in this world i was disappointed by the actions of one character this week because i'm talking of course about erin's best friend who apparently is not a good friend and and distraught at at her best friend's death because she's been telling mistruths to the police. She helps uh, Dylan burn her diaries, although keeps something back. And I'm so invested in this show and this world now. Mm. I was really disappointed that that character wasn't and, his distraught uh, friend. Yeah. And was it her, sort of the misdirect about the husband as well, the, the I Frank character? So. I believe yeah. so, yeah. In that character's defense, again, you're talking about 
teenagers. You're mm. talking about 17 year olds. You're yeah, talking no, about uh, yeah. yeah. I'm fairly positive. Faith, she knows, or at least who the dad str- is. Who is the father of that child? There's so much going on. There's the vicar with the bike in the back of the truck, and there's that thing with the other family, my mayor's close friend, who the husband is cheating again. That she says to her young son, "Is he doing it again?" Meaning, is is he cheating with the same woman? Then there is real mother of mayor's grandson coming in and trying to be part of the family and and mayor's mum just saying it's purely selfish me helping you bathe him because i don't want to be cut out of his life there are like six shows going on in one show and i love every inch of every single one of them Mm. i can't remember the last time i felt like this but i i think they built those layers very well and i Mm. you know i i felt when we spoke about the first episode that i don't think they explained everything straight away everything clicked for me by episode three and i think what it does so well is you know you have got that murder mystery element to it you've got that plus the who's the daddy story if that's one you know it's one and the same or it's slightly different but also this is a program about how a family have coped or haven't coped with the suicide of a family member and how each of them have you know like mayor has sort of shut off her ex has moved on he's willing to talk about it in a way that she isn't you know siobhan is is making these films about her brother and you know gene smart's trying to keep the family together doesn't want to lose another person that all feels so realistic and it and it gives it that whole other layer that a lot of these crime dramas don't have i will be absolutely bereft when this ends there is nothing that compares to it in would, my view. Would you know. want a second series or no? I want to spend as much time in mm. East Town as East Town. If I could get, a, I'll, I'll see Mo, but it would be on the way to East Town. I, you know, <laughs> yeah, Pennsylvania is that close to you, Mo? That's oh, it's not. Yeah, it's not that far from me. There you I go. Mean, you can okay. you can get there. Pat, and... Perhaps easier, Mo, if you went to East Town and and I just meet you there and then. <laughs> We can meet Mayor's mum at the same time. And, you know, I would definitely break COVID rules and embrace Mayor's mum. Definitely. definitely It's got a bit weird now, I think, maybe. But, yeah, it's just so brilliantly layered, as you say. I wake up on a Monday. I can't remember this the last time I was this happy to wake up on a Monday morning to get these episodes of Mayor of East Town. Although there was a day that I would watched it before you had, and I was very surprised. Yes, but I, I think I was already coming down with something. That was a uh. sign. That was a sign that I wasn't firing on all cylinders because Mayor V. Sound had taken a little bit of a back step. It does feel like it's gaining real traction. You know, our, our writers love this show. People that write TV shows absolutely adore it. There are two episodes left, but I, I'm not particularly worried because... It uses every second of that hour to tell its story. There's not a, there's not been a dull moment in Mayor of Eastern yet. And it's a good argument for weekly viewing as well as oh yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Mo, it has been a pleasure as always to just venture into the American area with you. Um, where can people find you, and what what are you doing with your life online right now? Oh, thanks. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Mo 77. I co-host a podcast uh, called Geek Confidential with another Luke. Yeah. And we're the hoping to. Podcast ever. 
Yes, yes. Yeah. And so we're hoping to uh, record a new episode in the near future. We were part of a celebration for our parent podcast, which is called Daytime Confidential, which which focuses on soaps, American soap operas. Uh, occasionally, there's some talk about uh, UK soaps. Daytime Confidential recently hit a thousand episodes and Geek Confidential, the, the show that I co-host on, we were part of that celebration. So we took a bit of a hiatus because of that. So we're hoping to have some new episodes soon. And we should say again, Mo's mentioned this before on his appearances. He is Dr. Mo77 on, on Twitter, but not, you know, don't go to him for administration of his COVID vaccine. Don't go to him if you got back pain. He's not a qualified physician. He, yeah. just, uh, he just uses that. Although, Mo, yeah. your, your, your Skype picture that keeps bobbing up does make you look like a GP. <laughs> it, it, oh, it, God. It, it looks <laughs> yeah. like the photo you would see on a, on a GP's website of the, yeah. of the GPs oh, who went God. to the surgery. So yeah. that photo, I want to say it's like five or six years old, and it's from an, my former office. Because this is uh, my this Skype account is one that I've used for uh, work as well. So so this that's is, why I work. have the GP. Mo, what are you talking about? This is work. <laughs> it's very well, hard uh, work most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so that's probably why I have the GP look with my white collared shirt. Uh, mm. He's not wearing any pants at the moment, but no, I'm. <laughs> I promise you, I'm wearing pants and a sir. No. <laughs> okay, we will be back soon. If you if you like this podcast, and I can't for the life of me see why you wouldn't, uh, please give us a review on the website of your choice. Visit thecustardtv.com for all the latest TV news and stuff. Matt and I will be back with a friend or just with each other on the next podcast. Take care. Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes, and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing... Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off, and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.